Reese. This is live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. What's up, what's up? Stoked to be in the studio on a nice Saturday night. I'm just stoked to stop raining out here in Southern California because us Californians, man, we were like, we didn't know what the heck was. We were crashing, slipping, sliding, you know, a little bit of, little bit of rain, a little bit of sprinkling. No, <laughs> no, but um, tonight I have, um, I have a good friend in studio and uh, it's going to be a sick show. He's a professional, was a professional boxer and now he runs a ministry and um, he's out of, uh, where are you out of? Well, we're living in Knoxville now, from Atlanta originally. Okay. Yeah. Ebo Elder, a lot of you guys know him. I know we're on a lot of Calvary stations from uh, L.A. to New York City, so yeah. a lot of people know you. Yeah. You've been around. You've done evangelism. You've Now you're writing a book. You've got a lot of cool things going on. So, you know, if, uh, if you have someone that has was into boxing or anything like that, we're going to actually be having a cool story told tonight on the radio. So I would suggest right now you text them, tell them to tune in. To Live with Ryan Reese on our app at the Whosoever's app, or you just go to the Whosoever's website. This is a live video cast, so it is going to be sick. But before we get to the story, i got to call my friend in Allen. He's out in New York City, and I know we're on stations through New Jersey, New York, and all up upstate New York. We're going to be out there for a conference in a couple weeks, so I'm going to patch my boy in Allen from Calvary Chapel, Old Bridge, and we're going to hear a little bit about this conference because we want you guys to invite your friends, your family, Come one, come all. We want to pack the place. So let's go ahead and patch this in. Alan, are you in? Are you on the air? I'm in. You are in. You are plugged in. Hey, so I just heard you know Ebo. Yeah, I definitely know Ebo. All right, he's in studio right now. So. Alan, what's up, man? Uh, how's it going? <laughs> so, Alan, we're coming out to your guys' church. You are. Talk, tell us about this. So it's called the Vertical Identity Conference. This is our fourth year. Um kind of was birthed out of the idea that a lot of people are doing conferences around your purity, you know, don't mess up, don't do any sins that will, you'll reg- regret later. And uh, that's all the symptom stuff. And realizing that the core of the issue is the heart and idolatry, and you are finding your value in the person that you're with, not even so much the sin that you're doing, like the symptom, you know, but getting to the disease. Right. And so – it became so wildly popular with having no-name bands, no-name speakers, and we still got like 800 kids to these outreaches. Um, so it was sick. And then last year, one of the highlights for me is um, a kid that grew up in our youth group, one of the kids that if you saw his stuff on Facebook, strung out on drugs, just into weird stuff, you would never think that this kid would ever come back to church. And he came, and he accepted Jesus. And it's amazing, and that's why we do it. So we're excited to have you guys, Ryan, Austin Carlisle, April 5th and 6th, Calvary Chapel, Old Ridge in New Jersey. So if you're listening and you live in the New Jersey, New York area, invite everybody you know. Invite everybody. You know, we're stoked to come out there, and I agree with you, man. It's uh, you know, I was just talking to my wife, or I can't remember. It was my wife or someone, and we were talking about how people want to – Ha- get in front of these kids and, and tell them about the you know do's and don'ts, all these rules and regulations. But really, we just got to—it's a heart issue. So we just got to address the heart. Let them know that God loves them. He has a plan for them, and if they can find their identity in Him, not rules and regulations, but in a relationship with the God of the universe, 
and he reveals himself to you, well, dude, right there, everything changes. If the God of the universe encounters you and, and basically fills you with his Holy Spirit and you understand that he is real and you encounter his love and then he starts to lay out his plan for you, you're never going to go back. You're going to slip up here and there because we all make mistakes as we're all sinners saved by grace. But literally, if we could find our identity in God and know that he exists, that's when everything changes. And then you don't have to worry about all the do's and don'ts and the, you know, sleeping with girls and the pornography and all that stuff. Because if you love God, you're going to do everything in your power to follow him and not go down that route. So I'm stoked to be a part of this um, conference. And, you know, if you guys don't know, if you're listening, you got Austin Carlisle. He's the lead singer of uh, the band of Mice and Men. He's toured, Warped Tour, for years and years. I mean, they, he's toured with some of the biggest rock bands. Right before he stepped down because of his health, he was on tour with Slipknot and Marilyn Manson and Korn and, uh, and, their, and their band. So he's, uh, he's no stranger. He, uh, he definitely has a po- – he's a millennial himself, and he definitely has a voice with this younger generation. He just came out with the I Am Second film not too long ago. It just got released, so you can check that out. But he will be out there, so this is going to be an awesome opportunity to invite people that would um, never go to church. Maybe because he has such a large reach, there's a lot of youngsters that do know of him, so bring them. This will be a great opportunity to say, hey, the, the, the former lead singer of a Meisman, Austin Carlisle, is going to be hanging out in New Jersey at this event. So they can invite their friends and their friends, and this will be a rad night for them to come in and, and hear the gospel in a cool way. And uh, then just see what happens. And I'll be there, too. So it's just going to be awesome, man. I mean, a lot of you guys know that we do tour the public high school system uh, year-round um, around the world now. But we've, um, we're have we actually heading out there. We're going to be hitting some schools, hitting some churches, and um, just being at this conference. So I'm I'm also excited to, to be able to come and hang out and hear the stories. Just hear the stories of what's going on in, in these guys' and girls' hearts and their minds and what they want to do. And hopefully— um, God, not. I don't. It's hopefully, God will encounter. God's going to encounter them when we're out there, and I'm excited to be a part. So, hey, uh, what what website can people go to to find out the details? They can go to tiny.cc/slash/vertical/identity. Find the details. Come out. Hang out. It's two days, right? Yep. Friday and Saturday, April fifth and sixth. It's going to be on. All right, man. Well, thank you very much, man. I'm stoked you got married. That's awesome. Get right. to meet your wife and all that good stuff. Miracle. Miracle. That's a, that's, that's a story for another time. It is. It is, man. That's awesome. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. All right, brother. Love you, man. I'll see you soon. Same. Peace. All right. All right, man. That's great, man. Is that cool? I love Alan. What a, what a good brother, man. Love him. I know, man. So I went out there and I was on this little tour. and uh, Or I was out there for the Bridge Fest. You know, they do that every year. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, man, you know, thinking about getting married. Or yeah, No, he's like, I like this girl. I'm like, cool, cool, where's she at? So he tells me the whole story, see her. And then next thing you know, I get a, you know, I think I got a text or I saw a photo. He's getting engaged. It was just like, bam, it was like quick. Quick. You know, but once you know, once you, you know, know she's the one, you know, you just do it. That's right. So this is my question, Ebo Elder. What the heck have you been up to? When's the last man. time I seen you? Man, last time I saw you. Well, we've seen each other here and there, yeah. but the last time we, we kicked it. When's the last time we kicked yeah, it? Yeah, dude, that was um, uh, January, uh, February of 2000, I think 10, 
at the uh, Packing House Redlands Men's Conference with the guy, the Navy SEAL guy. We had Sonny there, Brian Broderson. Oh, my Remember? gosh. I mean, that was like right. ages Dang. ago, man. Okay. Because so we did, we were over there for a few different events at the Packing House. Yeah. Was there a young kid there named um, Trevor during that one? Or maybe that was another event. Yeah, I think it was a different event. Man, that was a long time yeah. ago. So, I know Sonny and the Navy SEAL guy. Uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Yeah. The Navy SEAL guy, Sonny, yeah. and Brian Broderson, a couple other guys. But yeah, man. Uh, because then we were all at a pastor's conference too, though. Yeah, yeah, man. It you know it's it's hard to keep up. Yeah, you know, yeah. When you travel and speak, and, but when you know, you, when you were doing that at that time, you were touring around telling your story. Yeah, right? you know, um, sharing the story of my my marriage reconciliation, our remarriage. You know, we were divorced for two years, and just how God repaired a marriage, restored a marriage, and um, and you know, and as I go back to places, I, I love teaching the Bible. Yeah, uh, and I've got other other testimony based messages I share. You know, yeah. many of them birthed out of boxing matches. Oddly enough, yeah, perfect. Yeah, I mean, God used my career. Uh, you know, uh, not only to get a platform for ministry, but to instruct me in His ways and teach me His word. Mm-hmm. And He did it through boxing matches. And you know, people find that a bit odd. Um, I, I think we have to remind people sometimes. The Apostle Paul is a boxing fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, boxing began that. in Rome three thousand years ago. By the time Paul made it to Rome, uh, that city was a mecca of the of the sport of boxing, and uh, that's why Paul would liken our spiritual walk to that of a boxing match, telling young Timothy, "Fight the good fight of faith." And he would say, "You know, I don't, I don't shadow box like a boxer punches the air, but I live my life with intention and purpose and intentionality." You know, so Paul's a boxing fan. Um, so yeah, he used my career, man. Yeah. And then when that when so you were doing that, but then also during that time, like we just kind of disappeared. I think I started touring, and you started. You were touring, or you moved to another church or something. Yeah, you know, man, you were kind of moving around for a while, right? Yeah, we we lived in Georgia for a while. Uh, served on staff at Calvary Chapel Heartland. Uh, moved to L.A. Uh, served on staff at Calvary Chapel La Habra. Oh no way! Yeah, and then back in 2013, we moved to Knoxville, Tennessee. I was on staff at Calvary Chapel Knoxville for about four years. So, you know, when you're on staff at a church, you know, I had a lot of responsibility, a lot of things going on at Calvary Knoxville, and um, that limited my ability to, to travel. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then uh, about two years ago, um, for a lot of reasons we could go into and probably be a beneficial thing to do, but yeah. I knew it was time to step out of ministry. I had some counsel from uh, a couple really important people in my life and my wife as well, <laughs> the, the most important person in my life. Yep. To uh to take some time out of ministry, uh, your ministry at that time became, I would say, ministry became my God, you know, and I needed some time to just kind of refocus my my life around the most important thing, and that's a relationship with Jesus, man. And uh, in doing that, the Lord, about a year after we decided to kind of step out and just seek the Lord, um, about a year later, the Lord l- clearly led us back into ministry. And to be honest, man, the last year or so has been the most fruitful ministry of my life. And I think it's God just rewarding getting our focus back on the thing that really matters. And that's our relationship with him. 100%. Yeah. Dude, this is okay. This is going to be awesome. I I can't wait to hear this whole story because, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, and myself, I'm in full-time ministry and it could get very easily. You could um, get derailed or sidetracked. Um. Maybe God sometimes wants you just to step down or maybe he wants you, you know, get more into it. So there's there's different there's different um, views of the ministry. 
But let's let's. So, and you have a book coming out too, right now? Yeah, right? yes, okay. my autobiography. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I uh, back in 2008, I was on a, a cruise with Cabbage Chapel Old Bridge. Called it Cruise to the Caribbean, although we were going to Bermuda. It's interesting. It's not in the Caribbean, but <laughs> uh, yeah, Lloyd Pulley, he's a, got a good tongue-in-cheek joke there. But anyway, so we're uh, we're heading out to Bermuda, and I'm one of the speakers on this cruise. And um, I met a guy named Stuart Migdon. He had recently written a book, um, um, Jesus Take the Wheel, Seven Keys to a Transform Life in Christ. And um, he's telling me about this book he wrote. And I had been in ministry at that point about a, almost two years. Okay. Very green. Yeah. And look, when, when our ministry started, I knew nothing about nothing. I could tell you some funny stories there. But um, he tells me about this book. And um, and I had been sharing my story for almost two years and seeing God just impact lives and give people hope, man, and hope that you know they could have a great comeback in their life. Yep. And uh, I just, this desire started welling up in me. Hey, man, I got to write a book. So I tell Stuart right there on the cruise, I said, well, man, I'm going to write a book. He goes, you got a plan? I said, "Uh, well, yeah, I'm going to go home and I'm going to write every day, all day, and I'll have it done by Christmas. And he goes, yeah, but writing a book's pretty hard. And, you know, I'm thinking, who is this guy, Ernest Hemingway or something? You know, know, what does he know? And uh, sure enough... Uh, it took me about 10 years to write. 10 years. 10 years. Look, I've, I've put more into this book than my entire boxing career, than, than <laughs> anything else in my life. This yeah. book has been the most difficult thing I've ever done. And because it's an autobiography, man, I'm digging up things in my past that yeah. were you know, painful, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, uh, childhood you know, uh, abuse and just manipulation and just uh, control. And, and then, you know, through my teens and... My dating my high school sweetheart, getting married at eighteen, divorced, two years of divorce, just erect, you know, just some difficult things. So digging all that up has been tough, but um, but I know this book is going to give hope to people uh, that that you know they can come back from depression, they can come back from divorce, they can come back from defeat, they can come back from bankrupt, you know, whatever. whatever. God has a great comeback in store for them. One hundred percent. All right. Well, you're listening to Ebo Elder. Um, okay, well, let's let's give some people some of this taste of this story so they can get out and, and get this book. Yeah. So so you grew up where? Yeah, I grew up in uh, near Atlanta, Georgia. Um, you know, my dad, he uh, he always wanted a, a son that would fight, uh, wanted, wanted a son, didn't think he could have any more children after my sister was born seven years earlier. Um, but, uh, but lo and behold, I, I, I came into the world, man. And when I did... I had tons of problems, complications at my birth, uh, no soft spot like babies have. So doctors had to perform a rare surgery, and they told my dad that um, they weren't sure if it would be successful. But if I lived through it, I could never play contact sports. Really? Yeah. Wow. And um, my dad's been wanting to break rules his whole life. So three years old, as soon as I could stand up well, he put gloves on me and started teaching me to box. No way. uh, Yeah. And, you know, so... Um, childhood was tough, man. Um, my dad wanted me to be a champion badly. So he spent a lot of time, you know, uh, just you know, pouring into me, teaching me how to fight, making me fearless. But, um, but I, I dealt with a lot of abuse, uh, from him and just, uh, control during, during that, during that training time. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it started as, you know, the very earliest years I can remember and went to, a, you know, uh, early adulthood. Mm. And it came a time, you know, a, a very difficult time that I just had to, um, 
uh, you know, Matthew 18, how to handle when a, a brother sins against you. Yeah. You go to him, you make your you know uh, appeal. Anyway, I went through that and just um, anyway. So a lot of a lot of things growing up, man. Just dealing with manipulation and pressure and just control. And uh, my dad, you know, I had a, a, a no fuse when it comes to anger. And um, so we dealt with a lot going on, man. And it was it was crazy. Early years were crazy. When did you? Uh, so what, what year did you get into boxing? Was it like high school or or even earlier? Well, you know, I, I started learning the sport at three. three yeah, you know, but... five years old. I tell my pre K teacher i want to be a championship boxer you know it was just ingrained in me you're gonna be yeah. a fighter yeah. and then i was gonna be on every wheaties box in america and you yeah. know so on and so forth yeah um for sure that's the dreams yeah and so i was a little boy dreaming of it yeah and, uh, but I, my first actual fight was at 10 years old uh georgia state golden gloves i so you were in it dude that's sick right. yeah and you know i um i trained to win but I never trained to lose. Yeah, I never prepared to lose. I I, I, I feared failure so much. I struggled with fail, failure because, you know, it was ingrained in me to earn approval through accomplishment. And that if I wasn't the champion, if I didn't win the fight, if I didn't accomplish the task we were going after, that I was I was a failure. Yeah. And I felt that. That's heavy at 10. Yeah, man, it's heavy. So I, I go into the ring, and lo and behold, we didn't know it at the time, but I fought a guy with 42 fights. My first fight, his 43rd fight, he was the reigning national champion uh, in the silver gloves, where you can start at 8 years old. And I fought Troy Goodman for three one-minute rounds. It was a it was a war like no other war. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Two 10-year-olds just going at it. and um, But I lost the fight, and it crushed me, bro. It crushed me. I, I go back to my seat. I remember vividly. I go back to my seat, and I was just horrified that I had let everybody down, all my neighbors that came, my parents, my Everyone's friends. Everyone's there. Yeah. I, I failed everybody. I was a failure. And, uh, and, you know, I, my identity was based upon what I did, yes. not who I was in Christ. Yes. I didn't know that yet. Yeah. So I was I was crushed, man. I remember Evander Holyfield was there. Uh, what? He was the reigning cruiserweight world champion on the verge of a world title. Wow. Um, he came over and sat me on his lap, and he's sitting there holding me. And he can tell I'm just destroyed. Yes. And he says, he says, Ebo. He says, I lost my first four fights, and it crushed me. But my mama said, I told my mama I wanted to quit, and my mama said, uh, I won't let you quit until you win a fight. And then when you win one, you then can you make can the quit. Call. Yes, Dude, that's right. actually pretty dumb. Yeah, and, and, and I looked at Evander, and, uh, and, and I was given this hope that this world, this champion had also lost. Yeah. You know? huh. And I looked at him, I said, Evander, I said, you know, Mr. Holyfield, I'll be back in two weeks. Well, two weeks turned into two years. No way. That was crushed, man. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. paralyzed by fear of failure. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I just, man, I felt like such a, just a, a, no better term than failure. Yeah. So I, I was out of it for two years. Evander wins the World Heavyweight Championship two years later, or a year and a half later. I remember we had a parade for him in Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh, I knew we couldn't miss the parade. It's painful. I, I never spoke of boxing again after that fight. Yeah, you probably didn't want to see it or see yeah, it, don't it away. hear it. Just yeah. keep it away from me. And then when Evander won the title, there's that parade. And I said, I mean, we, we got to go. So me and my dad went. We're sitting there. And we watch him go by and he saw us and he pointed at us and he goes, 
He goes, Ebo. And uh, I just remember I was just blown away that, that a Vander, you know, remembered me. And it was crazy. And um, I looked at my dad and I said, can we go to the gym? I'm ready. And that fired you up. And that fired me up, man. You know, I, saw, I saw a man that overcame huge odds as a small heavyweight to win the world heavyweight title. And yep. A man that, you know, worked hard and prepared and, and, and was rewarded in it, you know. Yep. So that's when I, I got back into it. Well, the book already sounds great. Yeah, it's, it's a good one, <laughs> That's man. A great story. It's a good one. Okay, so then uh, when did you end up meeting uh, your wife? Yeah, so uh, my wife and I actually knew each other in elementary school. Yep. First, second, third, and fourth grade. Um, you guys are old school. Yeah, old school, man, going way back. Uh, and then uh, first day of 10th grade. I didn't see her during middle school or ninth grade. But uh, first day of 10th grade, I was sitting in geometry class, and uh, she walks in. And uh, when she walked in, man, I don't know what it was. I, you know, I don't know if it was tractor beam, love at first sight, lust at first sight, whatever. A little bit of both. A little bit it's of all both. All good. That's right. Probably more <laughs> lust at first sight. But uh, yeah, I was like, man, I, I, I told the guy next to me to get out of that seat, or I'll, I'll throw him out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in and sits down next to me, and uh, yeah, we started talking and dating soon after that. Um, dated all through high school. Went to both prom. All together. high school. Yeah. Wait. I mean, but man, we had. Dude, we had a rocky relationship. I mean, it yeah. was it was on again, off again. You've seen um, the Notebook, right? Mm-mm. That 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 movie, the Notebook. I know it, but oh, I, yeah, no, yeah, it, it's a good. If thing. I saw it, I wouldn't say I said it on air either. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, you know, I just took I'm into, <laughs> I'm into a good chick flick, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, just like that couple, man. We yeah. were just, you know, um, and you know, I'll tell you what happened for six months. You know, Amy, Amy remained pure and I, you know, my, my heart was far from pure, but, um, but the about six months into our relationship, we allowed sexual sin in, into our relationship. And, you know, her dad was a Baptist pastor. I knew the gospel. We knew God had a call. Okay. I didn't know that. We knew it. Got it. Um, and, uh, when we allowed sin into our life, you know, sexual sin into our relationship, it just opened the door for the enemy. You know, God, God doesn't want to control. always does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, God doesn't want to control us. He doesn't want to take the fun out of life. He wants to protect us and yeah. to bless us and have favor upon us. And, and man, it just, it, it, it ruined our relationship. And, um, you know, the Bible says that Satan is the author of confusion. Yep. And, um, I could have never put a finger on what happened because it made no sense. You know, it was one day, it was a, a, a beautiful friendship, a relationship that was great. Yeah. And the next day, it just started falling apart. And it, it really made no sense. And when you can't put a finger on what it is, that means it's it's spiritual. It's right. a spiritual thing. And um, it just fell apart, man. Yeah, it fell apart. So what, how old are you at this point? Uh well, uh, all through high school. At, at that point, we were uh, 16, 16. So you guys just separated for a while. Well, we we were together all through high school, on yeah. and off. You know, oh, on so off. just kept going back and forth. Yeah, back and forth. Th- that's, those crazy relationships always end up like that, back and it forth. Was it's nuts. never right. It was nuts. I mean, it was br- more brutal than any boxing match I've ever been in. And, uh, I mean, I, yeah, you girl, know how it is. But, yeah, girls can do that to you. Yeah, and, you know, Amy's a fighter, man. She's a She's a fighter. Probably more than me, you know, but, um, so yeah, three weeks after high school graduation, we thought, you know, we knew our relationship was a wreck. We knew, um, there were tons of problems. I, you know, I knew we weren't ready to get married, but we thought when we get married, it'll fix everything. I've heard that a yeah. lot. 
crazy. You know, you think hey, two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You know, if anything, marriage magnifies problems. Yes, it does. I yeah, know it's true. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, you're together. Then you, know, you got the kids. You got the house. You know, all these the, the all responsibilities the of yes. life. You add it all into one. Yeah. You know what? And this this is for the listeners. Seriously, if you're in this situation right now and you know things aren't good, marriage is not going to fix the problem. It's just like I've even heard stories where, like, the marriage isn't good and they're like, we're just going to have a kid. That's going to fix yeah. the problem. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? It doesn't work. Like, get don't get married. Get counsel. Go to your local church. They have free uh, counsel there. At least at Calvary Chapels they do. You can go there. They can counsel you. Yeah. Two wrongs don't make a right. And a broken people, you know, man, you, you got to get your relationship with the Lord right, man. The the, the guy, the girl, get the relationship with yeah. the Lord right. Yep. And then you can uh, you won't complete one another, but you'll complement each other. Yeah. You know? And that's that's all a, a human can do for another person anyway. 100 percent. So, you know, but we thought we were the answer to each other. She's going to she's going to complete me. I'm going to complete her. And that's kind of the way we went into it. And. Granted, uh, Jerry Maguire was our our movie man. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you remember that movie. It was uh, like know, 1995. Yeah. Tom Cruise, uh, Renee Zellweger. Not that old, actually. Yeah, I I'm know, just man. checking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm as old as how old are you? I just turned 40. Okay, I'm old. Actually, three years older. Are you? Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought you were younger. No. That makes me feel good. Very immature, <laughs> though. Very. Yeah, me too. <laughs> My daughters tell me I act about 20. You know. Yep. But uh, but you remember in that movie they said, "Hey, you complete me." That's the problem, man. When when we start thinking our our spouse can complete us, they never will. The Bible says Colossians two says that we are complete in Christ. Yeah, that's it, man. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, a spouse can compliment you, a friend can compliment you, but a, but a, but only your Creator can complete you. And we look to one another to complete us. And we get married and, you know, we had opened the door long before that to, to our enemy to get into our relationship. And, man, a year and a half later, it, it was it was the most difficult year and a half of either of our lives. And a year and a half later, Amy filed for divorce and it was over. And, uh, you know, I, you know um, it, it was a hard, hard time, hard season. And how you and so are you box, you're still boxing at this time. Yeah. You know, I mean. It's hard you're to trying keep, to get your head straight. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to keep anything in your life going well. Yeah, when your life is chaos. Yep, and, and that's what it was all those years. And you know, I, mean, I had seasons of of great success. You know, uh, 1998, I'd been married for a year. Um, I fought in the Goodwill Games in Madison Square Gardens on HBO, won a silver medal, uh, number two ranked amateur in the world. Sick. It's big stuff. Big stuff. But you know, you can't maintain world class performance when your life's a wreck. Yep, and it was. Um, when your house is a wreck, when it, you go home, it's all messed up, and you're trying to focus out on you know yeah. your success and all that. There's no way. Yeah. So we um um we got divorced. Uh, man, I, I recognized at that moment in my life. Man, I saw you know Blaise Pascal. He's a French philosopher from the 1600s. Uh, he said every human being has a God-shaped void in their heart, and uh, and I saw I saw a void. Um, I thought drugs could fill it. You know. Cocaine, meth, ecstasy, you know, whatever. Um, I thought alcohol could fill it. Uh, you know, I thought women could fill it temporarily till I got Amy back. And, uh, man, the more I lived a worldly life, the bigger the void got. And the more miserable I became, the more hopeless I was. And, you know, that was about two years, man, two years of our divorce. And those, those things do fill. 
for a little bit. It's temporary. Yeah, I mean, you, you're like, you feel this emptiness, you smoke a joint, and you're like, oh, I feel great for like an hour. And then once it starts wearing off, you got to smoke again to fill it, drink more, use, you know, girls just like. Yeah, and then you temporary. got consequences. Yeah, Big but. Consequences. Oh, yeah, you get so many consequences, and then the one girl's not enough, or the, the, the weed's not enough, then you got to go to Coke, or, you know, it's just like everything just grows. That's why that void. Yeah. That hole gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, I, I'm thankful that God allowed it to get bigger, you know, because I, I know a few people. If I, you know, I can I can think of a few people off the top that they've got enough Band-Aids to cover a, a mortal wound. You know, they mm. keep putting a Band-Aid on it, keep putting a Band-Aid, and they never run out of Band-Aids. And that's we a have, bad place have, to be. We have one, one minute left. So, yeah. so you know, um, I ran out of Band-Aids, and uh, the drugs didn't satisfy, the alcohol didn't satisfy, the women didn't satisfy, the accomplishment, the world ranking didn't satisfy, the money didn't satisfy. And uh, I got on my knees in my living room one night, and I cried out, but not to Jesus. I cried out, I man, if, if I could just get Amy back into my life. <laughs> and I found her uh, that night. She refused to even see me, wanted nothing to do with me, told me to go home and get out of her life. And I sat on the side of my bed, and we probably ought to pick up in a moment with the rest of this. Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay. But um yeah, man, anybody listening on the radio tonight, you might be going after this or that. It'll never satisfy, man. Uh Jesus Christ, a relationship with our creator is the only thing I'm convinced it can satisfy. One hundred percent. Yeah. No, you know what? This the story is very relatable and I guarantee you there is many, many people. How many people are like chasing after that girl yeah. or the success and that are caught up in the drugs and the alcohol? So relatable. So when we come back in two minutes, we're going to finish up the story. More live with Ryan Reese coming up. Is everything all right? Call now. 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop de doo
now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say we didn't warn you. Loud noises! What up? I got my boy Ebo Elder in studio. He's a former uh, professional boxer. He has a book coming out called The Great Comeback. And just the stories we've been talking about the front end of the of the show have been epic. If you want to get the past show, you could just download the Whosoever's app. All of our past shows, this show will be up there and much, much more. And we got some sick product, too, if you want to buy the product. And you know all the, all the proceeds go to us funding our high school tour. That's how we... Uh, that's how we get into schools. We have to buy pizza for the kids. You know, we're doing these lunchtime assemblies. Yeah. Kids are getting saved. It's sick. Awesome. Loving it. All right, man. So right before the break, Ebo, you were just at this place where you were, you won some um, yeah, yeah. belt at, at Madison Square Gardens. Yeah. So, so basically I, I was, uh, I was trying, I thought if I could get my wife back, you know, if I could get my, my ex-wife at that time, two but years. You had everything. You had, I mean, you were at, yeah. the, not, you were at the top of your game at this point. Yeah, you know, I had um I was 20 years old. Yep. I had a brand new brand new sports car, brand new house, brand new truck. Uh just uh, won a silver medal in Goodwill Games, number 2 ranked amateur in the world. Um I had 60 grand in the bank at 20 years old. That's what I'm saying. You're at the top of your game right there. Yeah. At that moment. Everybody thought I had, you know, had the, the a great life. Yeah. But man, I I, I hated my life. And um so cuz you know, I, I was going after everything but Jesus. And I hated my life. I was miserable. I was hopeless. And um, and that one night, man, I said, if I could get Amy back into my life, my ex-wife, if I can get her back, that'll be enough. And and uh, that failed miserably. She wanted nothing to do with me. And I went home, and I sat on the side of my bed. I'm sitting there analyzing all the dreams I had, dreams of you know, boxing success. But I didn't even have motivation to fight ever again. I was done. I, just, I, I couldn't do anything. You had everything, and you were just over it. Yeah, man, it didn't mean anything to me. Um, belts, titles, championships, it, it meant nothing. And um, I, I almost hated them. I hated, I hated my boxing success because it failed me. You yeah. know? I thought it would make me happy, yeah. but it didn't. And, um, and I, I'm, uh, I'm sitting on the side of my bed analyzing my life, the dreams I had in boxing, the dreams I had as a, a marriage. I wanted to be a good husband. Yeah. I really did, man. And there's a lot of people probably listening tonight. They they want to be a good husband. They want to be a, a, a good, godly wife. But I tried to do it in my own ability, my own strength. And I, I failed. And uh, and uh, so I'm sitting there and uh, thinking about the kids, man. We picked out the names for our children in high school. Okay. And I'm imagining, you know, taking them to a playground. How, how, how many names did you pick? Uh, we, we had a lot of names. Yeah, yeah, okay. but, you know, so we, we didn't use all of them. Uh, but, uh, but I'm sitting there and... Uh, I knew those kids would never exist, man. I, I knew they were just a, a, a pipe dream yeah. gone bad. Yeah. And I I really wanted to die. So I, I reached in my nightstand. I had a, a forty caliber Glock in my nightstand. Dang. And I, I put it to my head. I'm sitting there with it to my head. And I was ready to end it, man. And I started, I, I pulled the sa- uh, trigger safety. And it was yeah. about to go off. And I heard a, a small, still voice. And as clearly as... More clearly than we're talking right, right yeah. now, uh, I knew it was God, and he said, if you don't quit, I'll do what you can't do. If you don't give up, you know, if you don't, if you don't throw in the towel, yep. if you just turn your life to me, I'll, uh, I'll repair all you've lost. I'll give back what the worm has eaten, and, uh, and I'll bless you beyond your wildest imagination. And that night, man, right at that moment, Hope. You knew back. that. You knew that was God because you I grew up it. in the church. 
right? Yeah. I mean, you, you mean, you've knew that there was a God and he existed. Yeah, exactly. You know, from an early age, man, I was I was eight years old. We were barely church attenders. And I yeah. told my parents, I'm going to get baptized. They said, why do you want to do that? I said, because Jesus wants me to. Yeah. I, 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 tr- I believe from very early on. <laughs> but I walked away from yeah. you know, God. And, like a lot of people listening. Yeah, squandered it, you know. Yep. But when he told me that, man, he said, if you don't quit, I'll do what you can't do. I knew I, I, I had faith. God gifted me with faith, man. And I, I knew God was going to do something. And um, and that night, you know, I wish I could say it was a black and white radical conversion. It wasn't. It wasn't a, a Damascus Road experience. Mm-hmm. It was the beginning of, beginning of a process, you know. And I started taking steps towards Jesus. And uh, and he began to work in my life. Um, it wasn't long after that. I, I did go back into boxing and, and, you know, eventually earned a number five world ranking, uh, three championship belts, um, uh, appearance on the reality show, The Contender in 2006. And, Sick. And uh, so God did a great thing there. And uh, pretty soon after that, he began to work on Amy's heart. And, you know, the girl that had given up and um, and thrown in the towel on our marriage came back into my life. We got remarried. Uh, April will be uh, 18 years remarried now. Congratulations! Yeah, Amazing. and uh, and he gave us those kids. So we got we got those Maddie. kids. Wait, how many we, got? We got four. I see one out there. Yeah. One's out there. But yeah, we got Maddie, Abby, Gabby, and Addie. No, are you kidding me? Yeah, the dude. names. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so you got four girls, and they all sound the same, right? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I got triplets. You too. Yeah. You know what they're called? Their real names? Uh, Evelyn, Lillian, and Sadie Lynn. Uh, that's great. <laughs> Wait, why don't we do this to ourselves? I don't know. I don't know. Man, that's sick, man. Yeah, but man, you know. So wait, wait, hold on, really yeah. quick. So how, so how old are they? What's the this age? is my fifteen-year-old Abby. Okay, and then I've got an eighteen-year-old Maddie. Okay, and then twelve-year-old uh, Gabby and ten-year-old Addie. Dude, that is so awesome. It's actually Madeline, Abigail, Gabriella, Addison. I, I gotta get on your Instagram. It's it's Ebo Elder. I need to I need to go through and stalk you, and I want to see them all. Yeah, I, dude, I know you have four. I just I saw a daughter. Yeah, four. yeah, yeah. I got four, man. Just like uh, Philip, the uh, evangelist, he had four uh, prophetess daughters. He did. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> okay, so you got married. You had these beautiful daughters, and then you got caught up because we have about twenty minutes left. You got yeah. you were you were in full time ministry. I want I want to really talk about this because yeah. obviously we're pointing everyone to your book, The Great Comeback, which is going to have yeah. the extended version. But I think it's crucial that we do talk about this moment in ministry. Yeah. Um, this is a this is a big deal. Yeah, you know, you know, the book, man, the book is going to show people that they can come back from depression, they can come back from near suicide, they can come back from divorce. You know, God, they can come back. They look to Jesus, man. They can come back from anything. Anything. Nothing's too much. You're never too far gone. Look, if, if God can save a guy like me, forty to the head with the Glock, <laughs> about to pull the trigger. Yeah, He can save anybody. Yep. And uh, and that's what this book book is going to show people and, and be a great encouragement and a great give people a great hope. Um, but you know, so we we we're in boxing. Me and Amy get back together. We get remarried. Uh, I didn't give my life totally surrender my life to the Lord until a couple of years later, into two thousand three. God calls me right after that back into boxing, January two thousand four. Ten months later, I'm the number five ranked lightweight in the world. Crazy stuff, That's right? Amazing. For a guy that grew up on a gravel road in Palmetto, Georgia, right? A little white runt, right? You know, doing the- <laughs> so. Sick. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's the way God works. Yeah, but you know, I and then a few years later, my wife surrendered her life to the Lord, and you know, and then ended two. You know, we go on a reality show in two thousand six, and life is just going two hundred miles an hour. 
What people don't realize is we came into this remarriage with a ton of baggage. And it was never addressed biblically or ministered to. We were never, I mean, we had deep wounds that were just, you know, that wrecked us. And neither one of us ever addressed them because our life was going so fast. They never had time to surface. Like by the time they started to surface and problems arose, we were moving somewhere else. We were off on another adventure. We were signing another boxing contract or going to another church to speak. Or, you know, it just got crazy. Yeah. And, um, you know, you so you fast forward um, from 2007 to 2017, 10 years later. Wow. And this, this machine gets going. It's like a snowball. And, you know, you can lose track really, really easily. And what I did, man, I started to forget John 15.5. You know, I'm the vine, you're the branch. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. I forgot that if I wasn't intimately connected to Jesus, nothing else mattered. So you were just basically busy out doing ministry, but not spending that time. With the Lord. In the Word, yeah. studying, going through, through, through CDs or, or whatever, like yeah. audio, and just like spending that time listening. Yeah, you know, and, and just growing to know the Lord better. You know, we never reach a finish line in this life, you know. And, and I, I just, I got so caught up in the busyness of life and the busyness of ministry and, and problems in my marriage. You know, we had moved to Knoxville, and life began to slow down for the first time in, in years. And when it slowed down, problems began to surface. And as problems began to surface in my marriage, my relationship with the Lord began to wane and it began to I began to drift away from the Lord. And and, you know, um, so things just started to fall apart, man. And and, um, about two years ago, I knew uh, a a lot of things took place. But but it came down to this. I had to take some time away from ministry and I had to. Um, just refocus my relationship with the Lord. I, I had um, I had left my first love, like the Church of Ephesus. You know, I, I I drifted and and it cost me in every area of my life, my my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my wife, and uh, and you know I needed a great comeback. You know, yeah, you did. And um, crazy. So I stepped out of ministry. No more travel. Um, um, no more serving on staff at Calvary Knoxville. And uh, it was a hard season, man. I went from one week, you know, speaking to a, you know, a congregation of a thousand people and mm-hmm. the the <laughs> the glamour that comes with that, you know, and that was the, that was the mind, you know, just it was an unhealthy mindset. But I, I left that platform a week later. I'm digging footings by hand for a construction contractor that hated my guts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the Lord. Hey, the great thing is, man, the Lord use that to to humble me and to break me you know there's there's blessedness in brokenness and and i i had uh i had like allowed pride to creep in and uh and i drifted from the lord so anyway uh about a year of being out of ministry and really focusing on we me and my wife did some intense counseling uh with with a a doctor in in michigan online counseling intense man and it was a tough tough season i mean bruh you know my boxing matches youtube ebo elder versus courtney burton i had a broken jaw bleeding kidney swollen shut eyes that didn't mean that wasn't anything compared to compared this. to this and um but i tell you man the lord did a great thing um the greatest work in my life took place uh, uh, uh less than two years ago so when he because i want you to talk about this but so when you disconnected because there's people now that are listening that are 
you know, um, the ministry that you were doing became like an idol, became like a god. Yeah. Um, jobs can become like yeah. your idol or your god or yeah. just different relationships and different things. And anything that's in front of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's idolatry. Then it, it's an idolatry. So it's an idol. It's like, yeah. a, it's like a false god that you're, yeah. you're basically worshiping. That's right. So just because someone's not in ministry— this can relate to anyone that their job is taking up their time and it's anything that's getting in between the relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, it, it, anything, anybody. And, you know, it can even be something good. It can be a gift of God. It can be God, something God gave you. Mm-hmm. It can be a great godly wife. And if you put her before your relationship with Jesus, it's going to cost you. And uh, it's, it's you're not going to be experiencing God's best for your life. We have to be abiding, remaining in Christ, you know, and, uh, so what, what you did is what we call it is we call it kill the noise. Yeah. You basically killed the noise. You left all the stuff that was going on, seeked God connected back to the vine. Yeah. And then what did he do? Yeah, man. Um, um, about a year of, of, of just reconnecting with Jesus, man. About a year later, the Lord began real clearly leading us back into ministry. People started getting phone calls from pastors and events around the country and uh he does that huh when he man. when he doesn't want you speaking it the phone up. stopped the, the phone i've, I've literally <laughs> yeah. during that season i was telling you about earlier yeah that season happened and i like phone calls just stopped and dried up man <laughs> it dried up and i was like okay well this is your confirmation yeah. this is where you want me you know digging footings and building houses yeah yeah and then about a year later we started getting phone calls and you know me and my wife are in a really healthy place and you know the end of 2000 uh 17 was a very transitional moment. Um, I, I I was talking to a buddy of mine, uh, Stuart Migdon, a good friend of mine, talking to him and just sharing with, uh, with him. Um, it was a tough time. Me and my wife were still just, it, it got rough, man. It got to the point I thought I was going to lose my wife, my kids, my house, yeah. everything. Yeah. And, um, and I'm talking to my buddy, Stu, and he, go, and he says, hey, man, he said, look, Ebo. And I thought it was over. I, I, I was I was about to bail. My wife was ready to bail. And he said, Ebo, uh, I believe that although we live in this world, I believe that Jesus is the king. He's he's my king. He's the king of the universe. And I'm his servant. Do you believe that? I said, yeah. He said, are you sure? I said, yeah, I believe that. He said, well, as his servant, it's my responsibility to do whatever brings him glory and honor. Do you believe that? I said, yeah. He said, well, what I believe is right now you need to man up. You need to man up and love your wife as as Jesus loves you the same way, unconditionally, selflessly, sacrificially. Love her and, and be the man of the house. Be a godly father and a godly husband and um, and, and, and don't give up and, and honor him. And, and, and I began to get this. It's, it's what I call it kingship theology. Okay. But I only do what. Brings my King Jesus glory. Only right. what brings That's him dope. honor. Not what feels right. Not what makes sense with my understanding of things. Not what I, I want to do necessarily. But I do what brings Jesus glory. Perfect. And when I began living under that that theology, it changed my life. Yep. Changed our marriage. Changed everything connected to it. And um, so we get back into ministry. God starts blessing it. The last year and a half of ministry has just been incredible fruit bearing my marriage is at a place look i, I want to encourage anybody listening tonight my marriage was at a, is at a place today after being 
you know, married, divorced, remarried almost 18 years, all the things that have happened in our relationship. Man, we've been down and out. And I can tell you there have been times where we've both said there's no way we can ever be happy together. We can never love each other again. We can never get beyond this. And I can honestly tell you today, me and me and my wife love each other today more than we ever have. That's since amazing. We, since we were 15 years old, since we were in elementary school together. We love each other more now, and we have a more uh, blessed marriage than we've ever had. Yeah, it's incredible. Amazing. Yeah. It gives us all hope, right? Yeah, Everybody 100%, can have it. 100%. Yeah. Dude, that is awesome, man. Very encouraging. Ebo Elder. Okay, so check it out. Let's plug your book because people need to get this thing. It's called The Great Comeback. When and how can they get it? Yes, yeah, so and right now it's available for pre-order at our website, eboelder.com. It's E-B-O-E-L-D-E-R.com. They can go there, pre-order it. Um, I can't give a date that it's going to be ready, but I can tell you this. Anybody that pre-orders can also be a part of the launch team, and uh, you're going to get a free audio book. Perfect. You're, you're going you're, you're to get... I think we're going to be able to send you chapters as they're completed and ready. Um, This book, like I say, man, uh, it's taken the better part of 10 years and been the hardest thing I've ever done. But we want this book to be done extremely well. We want it to be the best it can be for Jesus because Jesus deserves the best we have to offer. 100%. And I almost released it in January. Almost pulled the trigger on the printers to start printing. And we decided uh, through some my counsel in this and some other people, and we decided to, to go back to the drawing board. Uh, we hired a um, a New York Times bestselling author. He's written over 100 New York Times books, bestselling books. Awesome. Um, published 4 million words and 1,000 articles in the New York Times. This guy's working with us now to kind of overhaul it and just make it the best it can be. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. What, um, what, are, what are a couple other things people should be looking out for in the book? Other yeah, subjects. yeah, you know, it. Uh, I, I talk a lot about boxing and how God instructed me through boxing matches uh, of His Word. So there's a lot of the Word of God in it. Yeah. Um, there's stories about ministry experiences that are just some of them are just amazing. Some are just comical. You know, running into <laughs> Kevin Bacon and you know, funny story in the in the LAX airport there with Kevin Bacon and and a, a guy that I thought was um um. What's the singer, the old singer for uh, Brett Michaels? I thought it was Brett Michaels no. leading to the Lord. Ended up, it was a Brett Michaels tribute band. No, it was man. not. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> this, this crazy stuff, man. Like, so, I mean, look, I, I can promise you this book isn't just for athletes. It's not just for people in ministry. This book, honestly, uh, my story at, at churches, I find... Women are the most impacted for whatever reason. And so this is a great book for women, men, boys, girls, teenagers, college students. It will impact anybody that reads it. I guarantee you. Well, we got to order it. So where, where are you at now? Where are you staying? What, are you yeah. out in uh, where, where Knoxville. You living? Yeah, living in, in uh, okay. East Tennessee, man. Redneck it, Billy country. Okay, so how far is that from uh, Nashville? About three hours. About three east. hours. Yeah, we're gonna be out there in Nashville. I'm gonna come see you. You should man. bring your girls to come party. We're doing a party out there um, on uh, what is it, uh, May 10th. Um, we're doing an outreach in Nashville. Okay, and it's for all high school and middle school students. Dude, if I'm in town, I'm down, man. It's yes, awesome. that will be yeah. sick. Tell your tell your group over there, whoever wants to come out, bring your crew. It's gonna be it's gonna be on, man. So. That is awesome. So are you touring around speaking? People just go to your website or contact you to your, your yeah. 
Yeah, they can contact us through the website. You know, I, I'm actually in town. I'll be at uh, New Venture Christian Fellowship in San Diego in the morning for both services there. Okay, perfect. Um, uh, God's really, man, he's just opening doors. You know, getting a lot of ministry opportunity, a lot of men's stuff, a lot of Sunday morning services, a lot of youth stuff. Uh, and, man, you know, I'm seeing God reward my dependency upon him. You know, it's a genuine, look, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Yep. Blessed are the people that don't believe in themselves. Yeah. <laughs> That's essentially what that means. Yeah. We believe that we, we, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, not not ourselves. And I, I've just uh, seen God really bless brokenness and humility before him. Yeah. So, yeah, traveling and speaking, man, evangelism, Bible teaching, and, um, yeah. and love it, man. And, and you know, not, not just behind the pulpit either, man, in the streets, yeah. you know, doing <laughs> You're, you're the real deal. I know you. I, I've hung out with you. You're uh, you're level headed and you're going for it, and that's that's what we need, man. We need just people that are just uh, that love God, that head to the cross every day. Yeah, they're poor in spirit. You're right. You know that's funny when you said that. My my, my grandma gave me that verse when I was uh, I don't even know six or seven years old. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, it's it's cool the way you just broke it down because that really just hit me. Because yeah, it's not about you can't get caught up in the ministry. You can't get caught up in like what you're a part of. You can't get caught up because God could take that all away. Clearly what we heard your and story. And he will. And he will very yeah. quickly. He doesn't need you. Yeah. He doesn't need me. He's in the yeah. business of getting ordinary men and doing extraordinary things with them. Yeah. And there's a, there's a million, billions of, you know, ordinary men that he can use and women. Yeah. And uh, it all comes down to that, that need for him, knowing we can't do anything without Christ. And we need to be, um, filled with the spirit and just deny self every single day and always be connected to the vine. We have to always be connected to him. And that's the, as we're connected, that's when he pours out that spirit, the Holy spirit, the towards the living water into our life. And that is the power that's that's in us, that works in us and through us um, to reach people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm convinced that God is much more concerned with conforming me to his image and me being dependent upon him and and in sync with him and relationship with him, then he is my comfort. Yeah. And my, my comfort, you know, God, God has a work to do in my life and through my life, and he's not interested in making me comfortable in the process. I, I can make it difficult if I want to, or I can just yield to Jesus, man. I can say, Lord, so not my easier, will, huh? your will be done. And, and then it's a really blessed process is easy man we have we have about two minutes left but i, I want to hit that that will be done you know a prayer that i like to say tell god is just like i always say not my will your my not my will your will and i do mean that i'm just like i'll do whatever you want me to do yeah like i really don't have a, i don't have an agenda i just know that like god's put this desire to reach people so i'm just like wherever you want me to go yeah i'll go whatever you want me to do i'll do i have no agenda I just have this burning desire to go out, and I just know when we show up and we speak the truth, the good news, the gospel, people are getting saved. But every day, not my will, thy will be done, God, your yeah. will. Uh, yeah, that's that's the battle, man, battling our tendency to, to want our will, to want what we want in the flesh, you know, and just battling, you know, murdering the flesh. Yep. What it's about. I love that in, uh, in Romans, uh, mortify Jesus the flesh. flesh. I yeah. love it. Dude, that's, that's all it. we got to do, man. Dude, so I, that's a verse that uh, I know. Oh, you know that? Okay. I love it. I was going to say, because no one ever knows that verse because it's only the King James. That's right. But mortify, man. I, actually, I was listening to Papa Chuck the other day, and he was in Romans. Mortify. And there's a couple other mortifies in there that I was like, that's a good verse, too. So yeah. I got I to gotta look that up.
Good stuff, man. We got two minutes left. Oh, I thought we already had two minutes. But um, okay, that's sick, man. Well, um, <clears throat> so now what's what's up with your daughters? What's uh, what's their deal? Yeah, man, I, I've got great daughters. You know, the Lord's blessed me, and you know, that's what I try to tell people. A lot, you know, we have this this culture that feels like God is wanting to take the fun out of life and yeah. give you rules, and you got you have to. F- and certainly, there are there are parameters to life that God gives us, but it's it's to bless us and, and to uh, instruct us to bring Him glory. Yeah, you know, God, man, He's blessed me with my awesome daughters and an awesome wife more than. I could ever imagine. And, and, you know, and it's grace because I deserve death and hell. That's mm. what I deserve. Mm. Believe me, I don't want what I deserve. Yeah. I want the grace <laughs> of God. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, he pours his grace out, his compassion is brand new every day, man. And I need it. And, you know, here's the thing. So Jesus, he, he called the religious leaders of his day hypocrites. The word in the original language means an actor. They were actors. They acted religious. They acted all holier than thou. But inside, they were full of full of some pretty wretched stuff. Yep. And the and the truth is, we just have to be real. Mm-hmm. We have to be real with one another. Real with Jesus. Look, I know that that Ebo is a wretched dude, but in Christ, I'm a new creation, man. Boom. You know, yep. He renewed. He renewed. Regenerates me. I'm a new creation in Him. And you know, I I have sinned. But I'm not a sinner. I'm a new creation in Christ, man. I get to walk in a newness of life, as Paul would say. And that's for all of you guys that are listening. This is the end. Walk into that. Be forgiven. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Start living that life that you were created for. Thank you, Ebo, for being on the show. Great being on the show, man. Thank you, brother. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.